Shake the mountains. I'll just keep singing it. Let the world come alive. I don't even know what the words are. All right, everybody, you can grab your seats. What a beautiful day in the house of the Lord today. Isn't this incredible? Come on. Hey, just want to welcome you all here again once again this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know who are watching online, maybe for the first time or are new here today, uh, my name's Matt, and that's my beautiful wife, Tanya, and we're the lead pastors here at Life Church. And so honored to do that. We serve alongside pastors Mike and Ev, who are associate pastors. And uh, yeah, you can give them a hand because they're just awesome. And we're so grateful to be with you this morning. When we envisioned uh, summers at Life Center, this is what we were envisioning. Come on. Some beautiful sunshine, some hot weather, and some air conditioning. Can I get an amen from somebody? Right, you know? Because we need that AC. We need that AC. Um, and what we're doing this morning, uh, we're going to dive right into this. We are, we are going through the book of Acts, and each week we've been going through a different chapter in the book of Acts. How many have been enjoying this series so far? It's been good, yeah. And, and today we're actually going to be in Acts chapter 5. So without any further ado, if you want to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, I'm going to give you a little bit of a review we're going to go through the outline of this particular chapter. Then we're going to zero in on a section of it this morning. If I were to title this message this morning, I would probably title it Holiness. Holiness. And uh, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a review, a little bit of an outline. We're going to dive into a particular passage here. Then we're going to pray. And then we're going to dive into this today. And I believe that God has a great word for you today to encourage you and to strengthen you in your walk with the Lord. Amen. Um, just a quick review, Acts, again, of course, begins with Jesus interacting with the disciples. The Bible tells us that he was with them for about 40 days, and he uh, spent time with them telling them about the things that were about to come. Then he ascends into heaven. The disciples go into Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. About 10 days later, we have Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples through tongues of fire on their heads, they begin to speak in other tongues, and Peter goes out and preaches a slam dunk message that sees about 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus on that day. And then it just continues to go from there. It's like this amazing thing. Can you just imagine living back then and, and waking up each morning going, what is God going to do today? It's going to be an amazing day. And so the, the, the disciples continue on. There's healings that are taking places. There's deliverances that are taking place. Uh, there's some persecution that is happening. And it just seems like every day some new exciting thing is happening. The Holy Spirit is moving in a new way. Last week, Pastor Mike talked about uh, how there was some persecution. So the, the disciples and apostles gathered together to pray for boldness. The Bible says the place where they were was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and then uh, we move into this week's passage, which is Acts chapter 5. And if we're going to break this down into an outline, um, what we have here is it starts with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, um, which kind of almost seems to be a little bit out of place. But there's a story of uh, two people that are servants of the Lord, that are followers of Jesus. And in following with kind of the theme of that time, they decide to sell their property and give the proceeds to the church, but they keep back a portion. And... So then we're going we're to talk about this in just a moment. We're going to come back to it. But God deals with them in their deception. Then we move on from there. There's healing. 
uh, that happens after that. And Peter, the Bible says that, that the people were coming from all over the place to Jerusalem because of the word that had gone out that God was healing people. So people came from all over the place to come into Jerusalem to try and meet with the apostles so that they could be healed. And the Bible says that they were, they were so desperate for this, they were so hungry for it, that they were placing people in Peter's shadow so that his shadow could touch them. And I love the end of that particular passage because it says that everybody was healed. Everybody was healed. Come on. And then it talks about uh, after this, the, 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 the Sanhedrin and the, and the, the, the rulers of that day uh, uh, feel uh, threatened by the words of the apostles and by what they're doing. And so they arrest them and they put them in prison. But that night an angel of the Lord comes and frees them miraculously from prison and says, now I want you to go out and keep preaching about Jesus. And so they do. They go out and keep preaching about Jesus. And the next day when the leaders come to go and take the apostles in and to deal with them, they're not in prison. They're, there's nobody there. And they're like, where'd they go? And they find them at Solomon's porch preaching about Jesus. And they gather them again, and they're, they're angry at them, and they're, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, and they're going to punish them, and maybe we should uh, you know, um, uh, 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 put them in prison, or, or what should we do? And a man rises up in the midst of this time, and his name is uh, Gamaliel, and he advises them wisely. He says, listen, we've seen this before. People have risen up and said, hey, we've got the new way to live. We've got the way that we need to go. We need to rebel against the Romans, or we need to do this, or we need to do that. And he says, all these people have done this, but it's come to naught because it wasn't of the Lord. So if this is of God, then we can't do anything to stop it. But if it's not of God, then it will surely fade away. And so they release the apostles. But before they do that, they beat them and uh, they persecute them. And then when they're leaving, I love what it says because it says the disciples were full of joy because they were worthy of persecution for the gospel. So that's Acts chapter 5. And you might wonder, okay, so what are we going to do? I mean, I could cherry pick this passage, right? There's some really good stuff here. I mean, we could talk about healing and shadows. That would be, that'd be pretty cool to talk about. We could talk about facing persecution. We could talk about, you know, uh, what does it mean to face persecution and to stand for righteousness and to stand for the Lord. But you know what, church? This is life, church. And we're not going to shy away from the controversial subjects. <laughs> we are not going to do it. So what are we going to talk about today? Some of you are like, oh, no, where's he going with this? <laughs> we are going to dive into the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and we're going to talk about the holiness of God. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn me this morning to, to Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and we're going to go ahead and read the story, and then we're going to unpack a few thoughts from this story that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart for us this morning. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have lied not to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out and wrapped and buried him. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, 
How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look at the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carried her out and buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. All right. I hope you're encouraged. Have a nice day. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word this morning, that it's living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, I pray that you would speak to us from your word this morning, Lord God. We thank you this morning, Lord God, that your word will accomplish what it is set up to do, and it will not return void. Father God, we pray that you would speak through me and use me as your vessel to declare your word. We ask it now in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a side note here for just a second, and then we're going to come back to this, and I'm going to show you how. Summertime. Summertime, well, Tanya mentioned this morning, it's a long weekend, so there's probably a lot of people away right now out camping. How many people grew up camping during the summertime? Now, we have certain camping traditions in our home. And things that we do almost every single year. And a lot of times when we go camping, one of the cool things about camping is it takes you out of your comfort zone and out of what you normally do. And it creates a new opportunity for new boundaries for the kids. So, for instance, we would go camping. We might go down to a place called Lake Chelan in central Washington. It's this beautiful spot, park. Gorgeous glacier-fed lake, and we'd go down there, these beautiful campsites with, like, you know, cement all around it, and what we would do is we'd often get there, and we'd go to the kids, we'd go, okay, kids, listen, you get to take your bike around this little loop right here, and of course, when they're younger, it's us sitting in chairs watching them go around this loop, and there's these boundaries that we put in place, right? But there's this other camp that we do every summer that was started by my brother-in-laws and my father-in-law, and it is called Dad Camp. Dad camp. So we got family camp and we've got dad camp. Now, when the kids were younger, I think they especially loved dad camp. And here's why. Because family camp was about boundaries. Because mom was there. Dad camp is about freedom. Right? So they get there and they're like, so where are we allowed to go? We're like, I don't know. Tell you what, there's uh, this big thing of bushes right in the middle over there. You can go the, as, anywhere you want to in there. Anywhere we want to? Yeah, anywhere you want to. <laughs> so they're out there building forts and like hiding around, sneaking around. Like, have you guys seen the kids? No, I haven't seen them for a couple hours. We should go look, right? It's different because it's dad camp. Then they come in. They're like, hey, dad, can we have an Oreo? Of course, go for it. <laughs> what about some gummy bears? Yeah, help yourself. Here, grab a bag. Go for it. Now, of course, you know what happens inevitably every year at dad camp is some kid's going to throw up, <laughs> right? Some kid's going to fall in the dirt and have to, you know, get a new change of clothes. Some kid's going to pee their pants. It's just going to happen because it's dad camp. But the reason that the kids love the dad camp is because you can't appreciate freedom and understand freedom until you understand what the boundaries are. You can't appreciate the freedom until you know what the boundaries are. Now, let's go back to Ananias and Sapphira. With a cursory reading of this passage in the context of the book of Acts, as we read this, it almost seems like it doesn't belong. 
right? Like we're reading about all these incredible things that are happening. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. 3,000 people are saved. There's people getting healed left, right, and center. There's the, the man at the gate, beautiful, that comes up and, and, and Peter and John come and they meet him and they, they, they raise him up and he starts walking and leaping and praising God. Word gets around. People are getting healed all over the place. 5,000 people get saved. That it just, it just keeps going. People are getting freed from prison. People are being delivered. And in, in the midst of this, we have this seemingly out of place story that doesn't seem like the God of Acts. It seems like we're hearing a throwback story from the Old Testament. You know, this, this God of judgment, this, this, this God who is vindictive. What, what is going on here? I have a statement, and we've been making these statements every week. And my statement today is this. We, the church, are followers and representatives of a holy God and recipients of his grace. We, the church, are followers and representatives of a holy God and recipients of his grace. And what do I mean by that? Why would God put this into the book of Acts? Why would this happen at this time? Could it be that unless we understand the holiness of God, then we can never appreciate his grace? Unless we can understand his holiness then how will we ever appreciate his grace? And when we read this book, I have this idea about the book of Acts that I want to share with you this morning. Um, and it's an idea, it's a thought, it's a thesis, if you will, that I'm throwing out at you. You're welcome to argue me on this idea. But here's my thought. In the book of Acts, what we see is not a temporary experience of God's intervention, but a magnified view of God's kingdom coming to the earth. Where the veil between the natural and the supernatural is especially thin. In the book of Acts, it's not some temporary experience. It's not some just momentary flash in the pan. Oh, that happened in the book of Acts. That's great. But it's what happens when the kingdom of God comes on the earth. And what do we see here? We see the character and nature of God on display. We see his power for salvation. We see his power for healing and deliverance. But we also see an example of his holiness. So the question is, was the Ananias and Sapphira event a random event or a magnified view of the reality of God's holiness? Holiness. So we're talking about this idea of holiness a little bit today. And and we, of course, we have to define it. What do we mean by holiness? Holiness. Kevin Connor, who wrote The Foundations of Christian Doctrine, describes it this way. The perfect holiness of God speaks of absolute purity. He cannot sin nor tolerate sin. He is sinless perfection. Holiness. Described as sacred, physically pure, morally blameless or righteous, ceremonially or consecrated. And holiness is a fundamental moral attribute of God. We talk a lot about the grace of God in church, and we ought to. Timothy, uh, Paul tells us to be strong in the grace, and that's what we ought to focus on. But we also have to remember that our God is a holy God. Romans 11.22 says, Therefore now consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell, severity, but towards you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. 
We need to be aware of and strong in the grace of God. But we also have to remember that we serve a holy God. How do we see God interacting with people in holiness throughout the scriptures? You can think of a couple of examples of this where the veil, if you will, between the supernatural and the natural is especially thin. One of these examples is a story about a guy, uh, two, two brothers by the name of Nadab and Abihu. The Bible tells us that they were sons of Aaron, who was the, the high priest um, when God instituted priestly worship. And uh, these two young men were priests in the house of God. And, and the Bible tells us that what God would have them do is take this censer and put fire in it and incense in it at the certain time in the certain place that God prescribed. And Nadab and Abihu thought this was cool that they got to do it when nobody else got to do it. And so they thought, well, let's just do this, because that was, that was really neat that we were able to do that. So let's show everybody that we got the power to do that. And so they took the censer, this, this thing that had incense in it, and they lit fire outside of the prescribed time in this prescribed place that God had put in place. And what happened? The Bible says that fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses and Aaron said, uh, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, but those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So the Bible says that Aaron held his peace. We see another example of this in the Old Testament when David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And remember, it was taken by the Philistines and it was being held at a place. And so he gathered all his people together. He did not pay attention to the prescribed way to carry the holy uh, uh, instrument of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And so he put it onto an oxen cart. And and on a cart, and he had some oxen pulling it. And the prescribed way is for people to put poles through it and carry it a certain way. And so he put it on this cart, and he had oxen uh, that that were pulling the cart forward. And they were all surrounding it. They were all excited. Yay! Ark of the Covenant coming to Jerusalem. And they're singing songs. You know, we love the Ark. We love the Ark. And they're, you know, doing all this stuff. And they're dancing around. And the Ark, uh, pardon me, the, the cart that the Ark is on hits a pothole. And the ark starts to slide off. And Uzzah, a man who was also with David, put his hand up to steady the ark. And when he touched it, that which was holy, the Lord struck him dead in a moment. Because God must be seen and recognized as holy. God's holiness brings judgment upon sin. It heals the sick. It causes the word to go forward miraculously. And it brings joy in the midst of suffering. We can talk a lot about the grace of God. And we can, in fact, never speak of it enough. However, we cannot fully appreciate the grace of God without understanding his holiness. His holiness. So here's what we're going to do today. I want to give you three observations about the holiness of God. And then I want to give you three ways that we can respond. You with me? Okay, number one. God's holiness is consistent and unchanging. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, today. And forever. Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed. O sons of Jacob. Isaiah 6 verses 1 to 3. In the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one with six wings. Two he covered his face. Two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is a primary moral attribute of God. This is who he is. This is part of his character and his nature. And I love R.C. Sproul says it this way. The Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. 
Not that he's merely holy or even holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. Now, the Bible never says about God that he's love, 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 or mercy, 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 or wrath, 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 or justice, justice, justice. It does say that he is holy, 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 and the whole earth is filled with his glory. Church, his holiness is constant and consistent. It is unchanging. Now, uh, that you might ask, well, what, what, what's the big deal about that? But the fact that his holiness is unchanging, that his standard doesn't change, that his righteousness remains, that he is always holy, ought to give you a sense of, uh, uh, of, of peace and a sense of calm in the midst of chaos. Because although the, the world around you may be storming and there may be things going on around you that you don't know how to control, our God doesn't change. He is always holy. His standard is always true. It does not change. Number two, the righteousness and holiness of God demands that sin be exposed, judged, and punished. Psalm chapter 89, verses 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is, is not shortened, that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so he will not hear. Luke 8, verse 17, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come into the light. And Romans six twenty three: for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God is consistently holy. He's unchanging in his holiness. There's a standard that God holds to of purity and righteousness. And the Bible says that anything that does not match up to that standard, the righteousness and holiness, it, the, the wages of that is death and punishment. That remains. That remains. And now we come to number three. God's holy response to sin is seen on the cross. Isaiah 53, verses four through six. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. See, church, this is actually the gospel message. Yes. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The idea of sin is this idea of missing the mark. Like, here's the mark. Here's where you need to aim for. And this is what we always do. It's just miss it. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. And that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The standard was paid for by Jesus on the cross. In his holiness, God made provision for our sins. And by his sacrificial death on the cross in Calvary, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins and therefore made it possible for us to partake of his holiness. When we acknowledge our sin, our unrighteousness, and trust in Christ's death on our behalf, we are born again. Our sins are forgiven, our unholiness is cleansed, and we become children of God. God. We become children of God. So 
Church, just because it's the New Testament, his holiness remains. But the punishment for our sin and for our transgression was paid by Jesus Christ. Amen? It's paid by Jesus Christ. So how do we respond now? How do we respond to this? We must be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. The evidence of the story is that Ananias and Sapphira, as we go back to this, have become more interested in impressing their Christian friends with piousness and generosity than in living a life that was set apart for God. Again, in a time where the veil was thin between the natural and the supernatural, and in a time where we saw what it looked like for the kingdom of God to literally come on the earth, we see this happening. That they had put more emphasis on their appearance as believers than in their heart towards the Lord. Why are they doing this? Well, we just read in the, at the end of uh, Acts chapter 4 that there was a man by the name of Joseph or Barnabas who started this trend. He sold an expensive piece of land and he gave all the proceeds to the church. So like this is kind of like the thing to do at the time. It's like, oh, this is what we're doing now. Everybody's selling property and giving it to the church. So Ananias and Sapphira here, the issue was not that they sold the land. Nor was it that they chose to give only a portion of it to the church. They were allowed to do that. But the issue was that they chose to deceive everyone, showing that they feared man more than they feared God. The main issue with Ananias and Sapphira was the motive. John Calvin uh, wrote about them. He says there's some other sins that we see underneath this sin of deception. We see contempt of God. We see sacrilegious defrauding perverse vanity and ambition, lack of faith. We see corrupting of a good and holy order, and we see hypocrisy in their sin. That's quite the list. Okay, you can go home now. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That's quite the list, right? And, and I think myself, I know I can see some things in my own life where I fall short in that way. So, so how, how do we deal with this? How, how do we deal with it? Church, we need to be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me show you this in, in 1 Corinthians 6. This is my favorite passage in the Bible. Actually, there's many. I love the whole Bible. But this one in particular is awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for today. This is what he says. Check this out. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, the wages of sin is death. Death is physical death and also spiritual death, which is separation from God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in, check this list out, sexual sin, who worship idols, or commit adultery, or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if we stop there, and if we stop with the story of Ananias and Sapphira with that list, and we just kind of leave it right there, then, oh, man. We're in trouble because God's holiness is so much higher than ours. God's holiness is so much greater than anything that we could ever attain to. So who then can save us? But then he says this, and some such were some of you. Some of you were once like that. In other words, there's grace because you were washed, cleansed. You were made holy and you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Yes. Yes. 
Unless we understand the holiness of God, we cannot appreciate his grace. And could it be that God put that story in this passage, into this particular book, to remind us that he is still holy? That he is still righteous? And that we need the grace of Jesus Christ? Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. i got two more thoughts. The next one is this. We must keep our hearts soft towards the Lord. So what are you saying, Matt, that we need to be perfect? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That Jesus is our perfection and our hope. That Jesus is, his blood was enough for us, and it was shed for us so that we can live free through the blood of Jesus Christ. We must keep our hearts soft towards the Lord. David was a great example of this. The Bible called him a man after God's own heart, but that man was messed up. (laughs) And David wrote this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit within me. What was it about David that set him apart and made him a man after God's own heart? Was it his perfection or his holiness? No, it was that he relied on God for his perfection and holiness. Church, that we would keep our hearts soft towards the Lord. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they shall see God. How do we get a pure heart? We receive it from the Lord. We receive it from God. And he can do that right now in this place. You can repent of your sins. You can turn from them and you can say, God, I need you. Keep my heart soft towards you. And he can replace the heart of stone within you and give you a heart of flesh. This is what he does. And here's the last thing, church. We must pursue holiness. Can I just encourage you right now? None of us is ever going to be holy enough. (laughs) okay that's great no none of us is ever going to be holy enough but he is our savior is our savior is timothy but you O man of god flee these things and pursue righteousness godliness faith love patience and gentleness let's go after it church let's go after it the holy work of god and then as we close today i wanted to read you a passage from the man who experienced this firsthand. Peter himself, who was the one that they approached and and tried to deceive, and Peter declared judgment over them and and saw it take place in the fruit of that as he stood there. This is what he wrote in in one of his letters. Peter chapter 1, verses 13. You can almost imagine him thinking about this experience as he's writing these words. So think clearly. Exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires and don't know any better, didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. Remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you, 
must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know this, that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Church, unless we recognize and understand the holiness of God, it's hard for us to appreciate his grace. And I think we would often take it for granted. But let us not take for granted the grace of God. And let us today be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let us keep our hearts soft before the Lord. And let us pursue righteousness and holiness as his children and as his followers. Amen? We, the church, are followers and representatives of the holy God and recipients of his grace. I'm going to invite Jasper to come up and grab the guitar. And we're just going to have a few moments here to respond to this message today. Thank you, Lord. Can we just take a moment and let's just check our own hearts for a moment. Can you just close your eyes and bow your head? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What I would ask you today is, is your heart soft towards the Lord? The Spirit of God is here today. His presence is in this room. And He is calling you to Himself. And here's what I would say. If you're here today and you're, you heard that question and something in your spirit said, Oh man, my heart has grown hard towards the Lord. If that, if that has come into your head, I just want to tell you right now that is evidence of the grace of God that is working in your life. Because it's God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. And he is working in you even now to draw you to himself. This is our God. This is our salvation. And this is our firm foundation. Now, is there anything in your life that you would say, I, I've been living in an unholy way? Two questions. Is my heart soft towards the Lord? And have I been living in a way that is unholy before the Lord? And I just want to give you an opportunity this morning as an act of faith to respond to those questions, either one of them. And so if you're here today, just keep your eyes closed for just a moment. Let's just honor people in the privacy of their hearts. And if you can respond yes to either of those, my heart, uh, heart towards the Lord, and it, is there anything in my life that is leading me in an unholy way that I need to repent of today? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the appointed time. And you can repent today and you can turn your life back to Jesus. This is a holy moment. If that's you today and you can respond yes to either of those questions and you just need to, as an act of faith, respond to that, I want to just give you an opportunity to lift your hand up wherever you are. Yeah, there's hands all over the place. 
Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to invite my wife to come up. She's going to pray over you this morning. That you would experience a new and refreshing grace in the Holy Ghost. lifestyle has gotten a little off course from what we know is what you have asked us and called us, how you've asked us and called us to live, Lord. Father, we come today and surrender, lay it all before you, and just like David prays, Lord, would you create in us, in me, a clean heart. Would you renew a right spirit? within us. Please do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us, Lord. We want more of you. Our heart, our desire is to be holy as you are holy. But on our own, we mess up. We slip up constantly. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are there with your grace with your forgiveness, constantly forgiving, constantly picking us up if we come to you. And so today we do, Lord Jesus, we come. Would you forgive us for hardness of heart? Would you forgive us for sometimes just letting that go or doing this little thing and kind of like that anus and sort of fires that we learned about, you know, doing a good thing but not completely being truthful, honest with ourselves about our life, not being honest to you. How many times we do that? We're so, we can so much relate to that story. We are not too good. We are not too holy. We, are, we can relate with this couple that was trying to do something good but slipped up. Father, we come today. Lord Jesus, we want to be a pure we want to be a holy people. That is our desire. That is our want. Would you help us, Lord? Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you continually, constantly keep coming after us. You keep running after us and you keep pulling us up when we draw our hands up to you and say, Lord, we need you. Lord, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I cannot do this life on my own. And I keep calling out to you and I keep crying out to you and I keep lifting up my hand and you keep coming down and you keep lifting up your children. You keep drawing our faces up, lifting our faces up. And all you ask is that we call out to you. If we call out and, and ask for your forgiveness, repent of our sins, you wash us clean, you give us a new start every single day, every single moment, you give us a fresh new start. And we thank you for that. And Father, today I pray that your people would feel that grace heavily, that they would feel the power of your holiness and your grace, yes. that you come and you give us a new start 
and you come and give us life. And we have joy and we have hope and we have a future because of you and your grace. And we thank you for that today. Thank you for this reminder today that you are an holy, mighty, awesome God, worthy of our lives, worthy of our hearts. And this reminder to just come to you again in repentance, in humility. How often we take you to, to for granted. We just kind of get used to how Oh, yeah, he's here, he's God. But, Lord, remind us again, you are holy, worthy of our lives, worthy of our worship, worthy of our lives being lived out for your glory. Thank you today for forgiveness. Thank you for a new start. God, you are so good. We give you glory. We give you honor. We worship you today for you are a great God. You are a mighty God. And today we are reminded again of your goodness. You keep running after us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen.